You're listening to the voice of dog. I'm Kaki, your faithful fireside companion, and today's story is Over the Top by Mog Moogle, a 2018 Leo Award winner and co-host of Up for Review podcast, first published in Fragments of Life's Heart from Weasel Press, and you can find more of Mog's stories on his Sofuri page. Please enjoy Over the Top by Mog Moogle. He clutched the gold heart-shaped locket in his paws. Loving care kept it polished to a high shine. It was open to reveal a faded picture of the young otter in his finest suit standing next to his new bride. Despite the trends of the time, the shorter otter in her white dress had a smile. It always brought him comfort. Lowell stepped from the carriage onto the platform. The smell of the coal-fired boilers and engine grease permeated the air. Steam hissed from the front of the train as it bled off. Lowell took it all in, happy to be stretching his legs and his tail that had been curled behind them for almost three hours. Despite that, the prospect of seeing the cliffs kept a smile on his face. With no plans to stay more than the afternoon, he had brought no luggage with him. Lowell stretched as he walked to the back of the platform and through the green-painted iron gate for arriving passengers. Moving along the footpath beside the road with no real aim, it surprised the otter to see the roads with nearly as many motorized carriages as in Chiswick. He turned toward the center of town and was halfway up the street when one of the automobiles grabbed his attention. He saw a Rolls-Royce with gold accents stop in front of a cafe. The driver got out and walked around to the curbside and opened the door. Holding it open, he offered his paw to a young woman in a long dress and a plumed hat. Lowell watched as the young lady stepped down to the curb. She briefly straightened her dress as an older gentleman slid over and stepped out of the automobile. He was well-dressed, but appeared to be in his late fifties. Lowell saw him offer his arm to the much younger otter and then escort her into the cafe. Lowell was amazed by her beauty. He had never seen another otter his age that just drew his gaze the way she had. He looked up the street, then at the cafe, down toward the station he had come from, and then at the cafe again. The rest of Dover could wait. He waited for an automobile and a horse-drawn carriage to pass, then crossed the brick road. Lowell moved around the front of the rolls and up onto the footpath in front of the cafe. Opening the door and stepping in, he was greeted with the aroma of fresh-baked pastries and strong steeping tea. After a quick glance around the interior, he saw the young lady and older gentleman settling in at the table near the back wall. He walked back toward them, stopping when the young otter looked up at him and locked eyes for a moment. He felt his heart flutter as she gave him a little smile before looking away and back at the older otter across from her. Lowell sighed as he tried to compose himself. He was often brash and cocksure among his friends, so being suddenly taken aback from just a glance shook him. When he was reasonably sure he could once again conduct himself, he continued to the empty table and sat down with the older otters back to him. He watched as the server went over to the two otters with a silver tray, a teapot with two cups and two small plates, one with a small slice of cake and the other with a few biscuits. The vixen in her apron walked up to Lowell and asked, "'What can I get you?' with an added sweet smile. Uh, just some tea, thank you, Lowell replied. Uh, do you take sugar? <laughs> no, just tea. 
Lowell said politely but dismissively as he tried to focus back on the two at the table. He perked his ears toward the two and did his best to listen in on them. Eavesdropping might not have been the most gentlemanly thing to do, but his curiosity overwhelmed him, and he had to know more about the young otter. "'He's actually quite handsome, and I would trust he'd make a good husband,' he overheard the older otter say. "'The word is, with the new rail lines going north, we're both in line to be among the wealthiest families in England by the end of this decade.' "'But, father, I still feel like I'm too young to consider marriage.' she replied, as she continued to focus more on her cake instead of him. So she was his daughter, but there was a potential suitor. Lowell shook his head and smiled to himself. The notion that he wanted to try and court someone, and a total stranger he'd seen on a street no less, did feel a little silly. Don't be that way, Anne. You're every bit as beautiful as your mother, and she was two years your junior when we were married. Both your sisters have taken husbands. Times are a little different now, father. I'll have plenty of time for a family, she paused, as she chewed down a nibble-sized bite of her cake. Besides, cementing your business partnership with a marriage feels a little archaic, don't you think? Now, dearest, you know it's not like that. I would just like to make sure you are firmly placed in the station you deserve. Pardon me for saying so, father, but this coming from the man who always talks about how he came from very little and built his business from the ground up? Hmm, he murmured, as he looked at the face of the brass pocket watch he'd pulled from his vest pocket. Speaking of which, I'll be late for my meeting if I don't leave now. The only thing of your mother's you inherited I didn't wish you to is one of your more prominent features. It takes you ages to get ready to go anywhere. She giggled softly and then waved it off. Tend to your affairs, father. I will be fine. I'll send Joseph back with the carriage to pick you up after he drops me at the office. And with that, he finished the tea in his cup, pulled out a few pennies and left them on the table, then rose from his chair and hurried past Lowell and out the door. Lowell casually watched as Anne's father left, trying not to make it obvious that he was doing so. He looked back at the young lady as she took a few more nibble-sized bites of her cake, he barely noticed the vixen return with a silver tray like the one on the young lady's table and put it down in front of him. Ignoring his tea, he instead drank in the features of the otter. It was only when she glanced up and caught him in the act that he pulled his gaze away. His pulse raced and his cheeks heated. He had never been so instantly smitten with someone. A soft giggle pulled his attention back to her. "'I couldn't help but notice that you were staring,' she said softly. "'I beg your pardon, miss.' Lowell said as he rubbed the back of his neck. It's understandable. They make a wonderful sponge cake. You should give it a try. Ah, uh, yes, he said before he sighed. I wouldn't normally stare. I apologize for my rude behavior. I should probably be offended, but I actually find it flattering. At that, Lowell perked his head up. He saw her smile again and felt the heat return to his face. Ah, uh, say... Lowell paused as he rose up from the table. Would you join me for a stroll? Anne chuckled, then shook her head. I'm afraid I wouldn't have the time. Joseph will be returning momentarily. Well, a quick stroll wouldn't hurt, would it? Lowell stepped over to the table beside her. I really shouldn't, she said as she looked away. Aha, uh -huh, that means you want to. Anne looked up at him curiously, then shook her head. No, I really can't. 
Lowell extended his elbow out and offered his arm with a coy grin. Anne rolled her eyes and sighed. Lowell's grin extended to a smile as she rose from her chair and hooked her paw under his arm. Lowell stopped at his table with his untouched tea and fished out a few loose pennies out of his pocket, leaving them on the silver tray before he escorted Anne out of the café. He held the door for her, then offered his arm again when they were both on the footpath. Her delicate paw was hooked under his arm, resting on the sleeve of his wool suit jacket, but he would have sworn he could feel how soft her pad was even through the material. "'Pardon me for overhearing, but there might be a suitor for you?' Lowell asked as he looked down at her. "'Yes, well, I think it would be improper to discuss personal matters with a stranger.' The comment made Lowell immediately realise his mistake. He hadn't even introduced himself before he asked her to take her for a walk. "'My apologies, milady. My name is Lowell.' "'Charmed to meet you, Lowell. I'm Anna,' she said, and then chuckled. "'And I hope you'll avoid too many miladies.' I never agreed with the idea that just because one has some station, they should be held on a pedestal above the rest of society. Ah, a bit of a revolutionary for social reform, are you? <laughs> no, no, it's not like that. I just remember what it was like when I was young and we were substantially less well off, shall we say? Ah, I see. Well, my family hasn't always been the most well off. Supposedly, I'm a distant cousin of Alexander Duff. That doesn't really mean anything, but it's enough that my papa insisted I go to Oxford. Ah, an Oxford student. Yeah, studying the classics. Literae humaniores. Age quon agis, she said in perfect Latin. Scientia ipsa potentia est, Lowell replied, or so I'm told. I'm only a first year. I'm afraid my Latin isn't very strong yet. Your pronunciation could use a little polish too. Lowell chuckled and shook his head. You're really something special, Miss Anne. And you're a silly oaf she said and smiled. But you're also handsome and polite. Thank you, Lowell said and smiled. He felt her tug against his arm as she stopped walking. Looking down at her curiously, he saw her expression waver for the first time. Are you all right? I'm not sure, she said and looked up at him. What does it feel like when you fall in love? Lowell shook his head. Yesterday I wouldn't be able to tell you. Today? Lowell's heart pounded, and he drew a shaky breath. He leaned down, and Anne closed her eyes, cocking her head to the side. Their lips pressed together for the first time. "'Fix bayonets!' echoed down the line. Lowell closed the locket and kissed it before tucking it under his uniform blouse. He drew his bayonet and attached it to the end of his rifle as he turned around and faced the parapet. Closing his eyes, he breathed in and exhaled with a quick prayer. A dull whistle sounded, and his platoon went over the top. This was Over the Top by Mog Moogle, read for you by Kaki, your faithful fireside companion. For more stories, you can find us wherever you get your podcasts, or on the web at thevoice.dog. Thank you for listening to The Voice of Dog.